Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do this. Let's do this. Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy. Start over. Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy, coming at you with another fun podcast episode. We're excited that you're here. If you haven't checked us out or subscribed, please do so. We love if you can also share this with your friends. But, uh, you know, if you're also in the journey of becoming a professional engineer, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com. We can help you with your FE, uh, help you with your PE, uh, or uh, with free problems as well on our YouTube channel. So definitely check us out. Today, I bring on an awesome guest, Lindsay O'Leary. She is a director with the American Society of Civil Engineers, or the ASCE. Uh, she is licensed a licensed professional in Texas. But in this episode, we talk all about, about committees, uh, codes, how they're developed, how she tackles all of this, how she manages all of this. There's just a ton of information as the ASCE puts out more information about civil engineering topics than any other organization. They just are constantly putting out material uh, about uh, civil engineering. So that's what they do. Anyway, they're, they're known for their standards and codes, but uh, anyone could be, become a member uh, of the uh, ASCE and uh, really plugs you into a network with other uh, members there and you can... Uh, you know, they have a, a wide range of services at ASE that you can take part of. So definitely a good thing to be a part of if you're a civil engineer, which you probably are if you're listening to this. So uh, I'm excited to bring her on. She does a great job. We talk a lot about uh, what she, her work that she does now, what she did before in her past, and really how you can take part in the work moving forward. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. Uh, give a shout out to her if you can on social media. I appreciate her jumping on and doing this with me. But I'm excited to share it with you. And it's coming up right after this. See you in a minute. All right. What is going on, Lindsay? Thanks for jumping on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. How is How are things going? Thanks, Isaac. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Um, it's my pleasure. I am joining you virtually from Austin, Texas, and it's going great. Love it. Well, I'm excited to, to chat with you today. I know you're heavily involved in the ASCE, but I just I want to get your background and, and hear how you kind of made it there and maybe talk about opportunities that are there, but also a lot of other questions that I have in mind uh, along those lines. But I guess real quickly, um, why don't you describe just briefly your own background into the world of engineering and then how you, how you've got yourself into the world of ASCE. Sure. Great question. Great place to start. I have a bachelor's in civil engineering from the university of central Florida, go Knights charge on. And I originally thought I would study construction. I wound up working in water resources and I was a consulting engineer for about 10 years. I worked with a little bit of geotech, a little bit environmental as well, had a lot of great experiences, but ultimately I found myself wondering, 
what else could I do with my civil engineering skill set other than consulting? I'd always been a member of ASCE since being a professional engineer. And I noticed ASCE Texas section was hiring. And I didn't know that working for ASCE could be a pathway for me. So I was really, really thrilled when I found that out. And that opened a whole new door to the nonprofit industry that I didn't realize was an option for civil engineers. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think many think about that, but it's definitely uh, an avenue that you can go. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm just learning about it myself, so I think it's a cool place to be. Um, what did you enjoy most about being a consultant? What are some takeaways that you had um, being in that arena? Oh, my goodness. Great question. Again, being a consultant is challenging, but also rewarding. You get the opportunity to work with all different clients and different types of projects. So to me, I felt I was being challenged and engaged by changing the day-to-day tasks that I was doing because projects were being completed or entering into a different phase. So my work was never monotonous or repetitive. I also had an opportunity, many opportunities to go into the field and look at a project before construction or look at a project during construction, do some quality assurance work on a construction site for all different types of projects or perhaps go collect environmental samples. And so my job was interesting and exciting. It was hard work Mm. a lot of the time, but it was very interesting. And I liked the opportunity to do a little bit of everything. That's great. I'm curious as an engineer, um, because I think maybe diving into the ASCE and working for them is maybe obviously a different pace of work, uh, totally different environment. Um, Did was there something, I guess, internally that you wanted to make that switch? Did you feel like there, that you could contribute more to the ASC than you were making in the, in the consulting world? Or I guess what, what was the, uh, the drive there? What was your mindset there? Yeah, it's easy to get burned out in the consulting world if you're not paired with the right group of people on your team or perhaps mm-hmm. you don't have a project that you really enjoy that's adding value to your day-to-day life. It can be hard. I was ultimately looking for something where I could do a little bit more project management and business development and less design work. I felt my skills were stronger in those types of tasks than they were in the traditional design work. I do have my professional engineering license, but running calculations or going through a design packet was not my most favorite task. Mm -hmm. I am definitely an extrovert and I loved the interaction with people in our industry. And the nonprofit world allows me to support the civil engineers who support our communities and our world. And so I want to make a big, a bigger difference in people's lives. And I think that's why a lot of people become a civil engineer is because they want to support their community. And my way to do that is to support the people who support your community. That's great. You know, what I love about civil engineering is it's such a, a large discipline that you can choose different routes. Uh, I think some people feel like they may get pegged into one certain area, but if if sometimes you don't like even doing design work, there's always another avenue. There's you know, a project management avenue, there's management, there's field work, there's uh, other, other ways that you can still make contributions uh, in your community and still feel like uh, you're attached to the civil engineering world as well. So I think that's that's really neat. 
That's a really great point. We see engineers that are needed to help facilitate public meetings. Uh, actually in Austin as a resident, I sat in on a public meeting for a new transit project that we're working on here in Austin. And it was amazing to see civil engineers guiding the public through like a conceptual design and collecting stakeholder feedback. They actually were sharing their screens and showing the conceptual design and able to explain, well, this is how we do an engineering road drawing. Here are some of the symbols that you're gonna see, the different colors represent various things on the map. And they walked the public through about a five mile stretch of roadway and where a transit line would be adjacent to that roadway, sometimes crossing over the roadway or going within the center line of the roadway. And it was so fascinating to see engineers communicating with the public because we don't just sit at our desks all day. We do have to interact with the public. Yep. And sometimes that's a skill set that engineers need to brush up on. Um, oftentimes they don't pick that up in school either. So uh, good thing to good thing to note. So definitely uh, something we could all work on a little better, I think, in the engineering world. But um, well, so okay, fast forward. You're part of ASCE. I, I know a lot of engineers that aren't part of ASCE, and I think it's an awesome organization. But what would be your advice? or reasons for civil engineers to join up with ASCE? Thanks for the opportunity to make a sales pitch. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of which organization you choose, because there's a lot of options out there. ASCE is one of them. Of course, you know, I'm biased. I get to the pleasure of working for the organization full time. It's important to be a part of any organization that helps with professional development. And not only be a member, you know, send your dues in on an annual basis, but actually volunteer and raise your hand. Participate on some type of planning project, whether it's at the local level, the state, the regional, or the national or society level. It's important to participate because, number one, you get to interact with people you wouldn't usually interact with. Um, the luminaries of our civil engineering industry volunteer their time with ASCE to help produce technical products like mm. publications such as standards and journals. And these people have a wealth of knowledge and they may not work for the same company that you work for. So raising your hand and volunteering and interacting with those other groups allows you to meet professionals from across the world. And they might be the foremost experts in a particular subject matter. And usually you wouldn't get a chance to rub elbows with them. And so it's great for your networking. It's great to expose you to different ways of thinking. Um, a company will particularly have a set of strategic objectives, but a professional association and a membership-based association like ASCE has objectives that are going to move the entire industry forward. And because they have the resources from all different sectors within that industry in the form of members, they're able to get a lot accomplished. So it's a really fun environment and it's more rewarding the more effort you put into it as a member. So again, raising your hand and saying yes just gives you these amazing life-changing opportunities. And it's fun. You'll make friendships that you would have never made otherwise. That's great. That's good advice. So uh, if you haven't checked out the AC or you're not a member of it and you're in the civil engineering world, definitely go check it out. It's going to open up some doors, uh, definitely through networking and through volunteering. Uh, being able to to help out in, in the area that you want to. Um, okay, so what I'm just curious in your current work ro role, what you're doing now, or just in general, what are some of the biggest challenges that you 
are facing uh, in the ASCE today? Gosh, that's a tough question. There are certainly challenges, just like any job, there's challenges, there can be frustrations. The majority of my work is supporting members in my particular particular role as director of technical advancement. I support a committee, one of our five society level committees here at ASCE called the Committee on Technical Advancement. And that committee is home to nine constituent committees and divisions that are either niche technical areas that maybe aren't quite big enough to be a traditional ASC institute, like a structural engineering institute or an environmental water resources institute, but they are an important topic of the civil engineering discipline. And they might actually be little known depending on who your audience is. Um, some of my divisions include the aerospace division, the mm -hmm. forensic engineering division and the computing division. So those are subject matters that are important in civil but it might be a smaller group of practitioners that focus in those. So we have a place for those practitioners to come work together to create products and services that continue to grow that body of knowledge and support people in that practice. We also have a couple of committees and divisions that I would say are cross-cutting and they essentially weave across the other traditional civil engineering disciplines. A couple examples there, we have the Committee on Sustainability, the Committee on Adaptation to a Changing Climate, and the Infrastructure Resilience Division. So those groups, you know, they shouldn't be siloed into one particular institute or one particular practice area because those topics apply to everyone. Everyone is concerned with sustainability and more resilient infrastructure to yeah. be ready for the future, for the changing climate. How do we get there? So it's my pleasure to support groups that are looking at those technical topics some of the challenges associated with that are, you know, we have limited staff resources and our groups would like to produce as much content as possible. So we need staff working behind the scenes to assist with publications, to assist with websites, conferences, seminars. So it's a partnership between the association staff and the volunteers in producing value for our members. That sounds like a lot of moving pieces that you are directing uh, at all times. Um, with so many committees, uh, how big is a, a typical committee that you oversee? Oh, I feel like I might scare some of your listeners, Isaac, if I start talking about the numbers, but I can mention a few. Um, so this blew my mind when I started working for ASCE. And one of the biggest challenges we have at the organization is we do so much and it is great, but it's hard to articulate because we do so much. How can we possibly explain everything that we do? Um, so just to plant the seed for that, within our engineering programs, so all of our nine institutes and my nine technical committees and divisions, we have over 700 committees. So there are 700 volunteer groups that are actively working on something that is going to better the civil engineering industry. Um, and committee sizes can vary quite wildly. Um, our overseeing management committee has like a set size of 12 based on our society rules of operation. And then their groups have like a set executive committee size of anywhere from six to 13, depending on what the rules say. But beneath that are technical committees and standards committees. I know the committee behind our most popular standard, ASCE 7, which is our um, minimum design loads for buildings and other structures. They have over 300 members on that committee. Wow. 
I had no idea how big these or how many there were and how many members were part of these committees. So that's, yeah, that it's is definitely eye opening. <laughs> if so, anybody wants to volunteer, they can let me know and I will connect them. Well, there you go. We'll make sure we can get a hold of you at the end of the show and link all your information. Definitely uh, take an opportunity to, to volunteer if you want to grow. Um, I'm curious with so many committees, so many members, so many people, as the director of technical advancement, how are you uh, able to manage all of that communication and all of that information? Do you have any tips regarding how you digest all of this, how you keep all of that organized uh, with your current role? Oh gosh, it's not easy. And I absolutely cannot take the credit all, certainly not take all the credit. I have a staff team. I have um, two direct reports, somebody who works part-time for our staff team, and then two other team members who aren't necessarily in my chain of command, but we work as a team. So in total, there's six of us helping with the committee on technical activities. And mm. it takes a team. We probably have enough work to keep even more people employed, but you know we're a nonprofit and sometimes we have budget restraints. So we do our best to have regular meetings. I think that is first and foremost is communication. We all get busy, but if you get so busy that you stop communicating, oh gosh, you're going to find yourself with quite a backlog and things are not going to be done efficiently. So as a team, we meet every other week. And then I meet individually with each team member to check in and see how their projects are going. So a lot of project management skills come into play here to check in with the team, see how they're doing. In terms of managing our volunteer committees and being their staff contacts, which is what we call it, um, I have a main committee chairman that I support, and I'll check in with that chairman actually once a week. Um, he's in the chair position for one year, same Currently chair is Rob Goldberg. He's an aerospace engineer who works for NASA. So he mm. came to ASCE from some of an of a odd pathway, but we're happy to have him. And he brings a lot of value coming from those aerospace applications into traditional civil engineering and vice versa. Um, so I'll meet with our chairman, Rob Goldberg, right now once a week, and we'll go over hot topics and we'll prepare for a monthly committee meeting agenda. I'm a big agenda fan. If I have to go to a meeting and there's no agenda, I tend to get a little bit frustrated. So I'm like, hey, I get invited to a lot of meetings. I know it's valuable to communicate, as I just said, but I need to be prepared and understand what we're communicating about. So one of my big pet peeves is have an agenda and identify, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish with this meeting? And does everybody in attendance need to be there? That's a very thoughtful question to ask these days when we're all just so darn busy. I love that. Will you come talk to my employer? <laughs> sure. Tell, <laughs> give them the link to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> About meetings. Oh, I'm just kidding. Well, um, I, I, I love the, uh, the, that you have so much experience in this um, and you've grown into this leadership role uh, for yourself as, as, and you're communicating with all kinds of people. I'm curious, um, what's your opinion about engineers that, that move into to leadership, do you see that there's any gaps that um, engineers could fill as they move into leadership roles in the role that you, you currently are serving in? Do you, do you see other engineers and you're like, you know what, engineers could really work on this as they move, move up in their careers? Yeah, I don't want to 
throw anybody under the proverbial bus, right? But we can talk about this a little bit. One of the things that happens in our industry, civil engineering and elsewhere is somebody does a great job at their technical job and then they get a promotion Mm -hmm. and then they continue to do a great job and they get another promotion. Well-deserved, amazing. But at some point you get promoted and now you're responsible for overseeing a team and managing direct reports. Well, that promotion and that assignment better come with some training because I know I didn't have any HR classes in college in my civil engineering program. So first and foremost, if you've been asked to take on a management role, it's okay to ask for training. You should ask for training if it's not already being offered to you. You know, as a civil engineer, generally we are lifelong learners. We're excited about learning new information and we are willing to admit and acknowledge when we don't know something. Mm-hmm. So we want to make ourselves better. So asking for training is probably the most important thing because managing people is very different than managing a project. People are people. They want to make sure that you care about them. They want to make sure they're acknowledged for their good work. If they're not doing good work, be kind and give them clear, direct feedback. And going through some management training will give you tips and skills for how to do that successfully. And if we could all lead with a little bit of empathy and remember that everybody has challenges they're facing externally, I think during the pandemic, we learned a lot about that. And there are conversations now amongst engineers that have to do with emotional intelligence and mental health issues and diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. So there's all these things that maybe engineers didn't talk about decades ago. And that was a very strict, like, well, that's my personal life. This is my professional life. But if you're not happy in your personal life, you're not going to be productive or successful in your professional life. So my key takeaways, treat everybody like a person, care about them, get to know who your team is, know the names of their kids, their pets, and make sure that they're doing okay so that they can be the best performer at work when they're there. And management training will help you navigate how to do that in the best way possible. I love hearing those tips. Um, there's a, there's a stigma out there that engineers don't make good managers. And I think part of that has to do with exactly what you've been talking about, that there's just not a lot of training that goes into, I, I mean, I myself has, have experienced this where you get promoted, you become a manager, and all of a sudden there's a, a flood of new information that you've never had to deal with before. And that's, you know, dealing with people and personalities and yes. issues that, that arise and, and how you tackle them. Um, I, I've had challenging situations where I've had to fire people and, you know, there's nothing that prepares you for that. So if there's some sort of training uh, that would be very helpful. So I, I agree with you. Definitely ask for training if you're moving into management. Um, yeah, yeah, man, having to let somebody go is, is probably the hardest thing you have to do. It's worse than failing a test or even failing a licensure exam. It's heartbreaking, right? It's, it's a difficult oh, yeah. task to do. So you're right. Training in those areas is really critical. Having support from an HR team is great. Um, If you don't have an HR team because you work for a small business, find a consultant, find a mentor, get some advice. And engineers, all the engineers I meet are incredibly smart and capable. They just haven't been exposed to some of this information before. Right. Yep. Well, let's go to the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, What advice would you have for an engineer that's just starting their career? 
um, that it could even tie into joining the ASCE or other professional organizations. But if you're just starting your career, do you have any tips for someone at that end of the spectrum? Yes, starting your career, just get it started. I've been talking to a couple of young young people who are looking to start their career and the job market is so hot right now, they have a lot of opportunities, which is fantastic news, but they're in an analysis paralysis phase mm. where they're really worried about making the best decision for their long-term career goals. And while that is an important thing to consider, you do have to pick a job and any job you pick is gonna give you an experience. Now, whether that experience is good or bad, Think of it like a science project. You're collecting data. You will learn to know what you like and what you don't like. And if for some reason you pick a job and it doesn't end up being the job that you feel was the right job for you, there are other opportunities. So when you're starting off, don't be afraid to go ahead and make a selection. Don't muddle over it for too long and cause yourself a lot of anxiety because there will be other opportunities. But make a selection. And start saying yes to things. If there's opportunities at your new job to go into the field, absolutely volunteer for that. You get an amazing amount of experience from hands-on activities and from seeing a job site in person. It's much more different 3D than it is on a set of drawings. And you probably have had some exposure to that, maybe an internship or in a senior design project. But I want to reaffirm, say yes to those activities that put you outside of the office maybe say yes to an extracurricular activity to help maybe plan a way to celebrate engineers week at your office or another social activity. So you get to know people outside of your department. So be a yes person. And I know there's a caveat. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something you might've already said yes to before. So it's up to you to balance your individual plate and understand where your capacity ends and starts, but do as much as you can to learn, be a sponge. Another thing I really like is to figure out what it is that your boss doesn't like doing and figure out how to do that well so that you can take it off your boss's plate. Mm -hmm. The more you can show good responsibilities and skills and be tactful, I think that will help get you more attention. And the last thing is don't be afraid to, to ask questions. Ask as many questions as you can. I know your management is probably pretty busy as a new engineer and they might try to give you tasks so that they can go back to doing their job, but ask thoughtful questions. And of course, if you do have questions, we always like somebody to bring us a question that has a possible solution or two already thought about. So when you come to that challenge, don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to recommend solutions either. Wow. Those are awesome tips. <laughs> um, I, I love hearing each one of those. So, uh, uh, I couldn't agree more with everything that you just said about that. Um, well, we've hit, you know, being a manager, we've hit the uh, starting of our careers. Uh, I wanted to touch a little bit more on the ASCE and maybe their involvement with um, government spending and new bills that are coming out. How involved is the ASCE on uh, developing new bills or, or trying to get things passed that way? I know there's been some big infrastructure bills passed, but I'm just curious, does ASCE have any involvement with those? Absolutely. It has taken ASCE decades to get to where we are at with our infrastructure bills. So mm -hmm. ASCE has an infrastructure report card program that establishes a grade for infrastructure across the nation. 
which and I love. Simple, like it's a simple um, report card format that you might see in grade school. You can get an A or you can get an F in your infrastructure and those grades in between. And the reason we do that is to try to make it as easy as possible for the general public. The infrastructure report card is really not necessarily a tool for us as engineers, but it's a communication product so that we can relay to the general public, which we serve, and also our elected officials, what is the need of our current infrastructure so that they can make better decisions when they have a limited amount of funding to work with as an elected official. They have the very hard job of figuring out how do we pay for all this? How do we pay for healthcare? How do we pay for infrastructure? How do we pay for education? That's a tough, a tough job, but they can only make decisions if we give them accurate data and good information. So that's our goal with the infrastructure report card. Since it was developed originally at the national level, it has now been replicated at the state level. And so all of our states have infrastructure report cards so that we can support decision-making at all levels of government when it comes to infrastructure. As civil engineers, we design, we construct, we oversee, we maintain the infrastructure. So we are the experts and who better to get an update from than the civil engineering community. So all that being said, we've been doing the infrastructure report cards for a little over 20 years. And finally, for the first time, in a very, very long time, in decades, we had a huge investment in infrastructure passed by Congress, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And now we are looking at another infrastructure investment bill that also looks at climate change. So ASCE has been advocating for infrastructure investment for a long time, is the short answer. That is awesome. I'm a big fan of, of the reports that you guys produce. I always check those out. And I love the way that you've given them a grade. I think that's really easy to digest. And it's really easy to share that information with someone else and just show them the grade that you have. Uh, but I, I always love uh, going through those and checking those out and even talking about them, uh, even on this podcast show. So thanks for helping with those. I think those are great. Um, yeah, big bill passed for that infrastructure bill. I'm excited to see where that goes and where the money is going to be spent. Hopefully grades can get improved in the future as well. Um, I think we'll see some improvement in the grades. Unfortunately, the investment that was made was not quite as much as we originally estimated or recommended. So we still have work to do, but we are hopeful that ultimately the general public will see some great results from that investment. That's great. Well, at a high level view and with all the ASC has going on, can you give us a little bit of an overview how how the codes are developed, are those codes and standards? Sure, absolutely. So people may not know that ASCE is the world's largest producer of civil engineering content. And our content ranges from all different types of publications um, and continuing education courses we have technical reports, we have manuals of practice, we also have standards and journals. Mm. And one of the roles under the Committee on Technical Advancement is to help support our codes and standards committee. So standards is an activity that I am very involved in. I help to oversee our codes and standards administration program here at ASCE headquarters. It's a big lift. Developing a technical standard is the top level document of all the documents I just mentioned that are the go-to go -to resource for how to do a particular thing in engineering. 
These standards are developed through a consensus process. ASCE is an accredited standards developer through the American National Standards Institute, or ANSI, which means ANSI has reviewed our process and agreed that we have rules in place so that we can develop a technical work product that's a consensus. So the word consensus is critical when you're looking at any technical standard. That means that a group of consumers, producers, and general interest parties have all contributed to the document and agree upon its content. So it doesn't serve any one industry or any particular manufacturer. It is agreed upon by all of those parties. So gosh, think about volunteering for ASCE. You've got a group of volunteers. I can't give them a raise. I can't fire them. I can't give them a promotion. They're volunteers. They're here out of the generosity of their heart because they really have a passion for the industry and they want to move a particular activity forward because they see the benefit to the industry. So we take that approach and we apply it to a standards committee. Everybody's volunteering their time and now they all have to agree on what is the best way in the industry to do a particular thing. That process takes years, as you might imagine. Mm. I can only imagine how long that would take. Um, Absolutely. So it takes a couple years and part more details about the process are we go into developing a committee. We get a committee roster set up that's balanced according to our rules. So again, it's a consensus body and it's fair. We go through all these balloting activities. We record and document the ballots so that should we ever be audited or should anybody question the process, we have a lot of backup documentation, which I know all of our civil engineers are familiar with the concept of backup documentation. But the committees convene on a regular basis for several years to produce a product. Wow. There's a lot that sounds like goes into that. So uh, thanks for giving us a a high level of how codes and standards are developed. That's uh, awesome. Well, this has been a great interview. Thank you for doing this with me. Um, Where can people connect with you or with the ASCE? Sure. That's a great question. Isaac, this has been my pleasure. I love getting a chance to share the work that I do at ASCE with others. And I hope that it inspires others to join a professional organization like ASCE and actively participate, and perhaps even consider a career in the nonprofit industry and support other individuals who are looking to make a difference in the world. Um, Anybody can connect with ASCE on pretty much every form of social media out there. ASCE.org is our primary website. ASCE is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the general social medias. Mm -hmm. Myself, personally, I try to retain some social media for like personal use. So my whole life is an ASCE, but that's kind of hard because I love ASCE. So you can find me on Twitter, always tweeting about ASCE things. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn, letting people know the great things that are happening with ASCE and some of the meetings I'm attending. And anyone's welcome to email me anytime as well. Fun fact, my nickname is LOL, for Lindsay O'Leary. And my email address is loleary at asce.org. That's great. <laughs> I love it. And uh, another fun question is, uh, when we started this, you have a cat. So what's your cat's name? Oh, I have two cats. And two actually, cats. They're usually on my desk. Right now, they've jumped off because it's dinner time and they're out there waiting. They're like, are you going to feed me dinner yet? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have two cats and they are named after desserts because mm-hmm. as a kid... 
my sister had a cat named Chocolate Pudding. I had a cat named Cream Puffs. So um, those cats are no longer with us, but the two cats we have now are Cookie for Chocolate Chip Cookie and Misu for Tiramisu. Nice. My kids love cats, and one of them wears cat ears all the time. My wife's a dog person, so <laughs> we got to figure that out sometime. But <laughs> That can be a big challenge. I would like to be a dog person, too, and have a dog, but our cats are kind of, like, afraid of everything, so that's not the right time for that. But as a kid, I had a pet snake, so um, this is more, like, normal and calm. And, um, oh, that's good. Maybe that could be a solution for your, your daughter that wants a cat. Maybe you could get her something that is a little more contained. <laughs> we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Well, thank you for jumping on, Lindsay. This has been really fun, and uh, we'll catch you maybe in a future one. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me, and uh, good luck with everything going on at the Civil Engineering Academy. Thank you. We'll see you later.